What is a summertime patriot? Y'all heard me use this term many times. A summertime patriot is someone who is willing to stand up for what's right and willing to take pride in their nation and stand for the rights and liberties and freedoms that we were granted just because we were born here. When it's easy. When it's popular. When it's fun. When it's cool. There are people that talk a good talk, but they do not walk a walk. When shit gets hard, they run. When it's time to make that hard call and say that hard thing. Well, it's don't rock a boat, don't cause drama. Well, surely it can't be that bad. Well, come on. They'll be better than that, won't they? And they sit there and they do nothing. And we've all been guilty of it for far too long. It's how we got to this particular part. Wake up! These are the times that try men's souls. The summer soldier and the sunshine patriot will in this time of crisis shrink from the service of his country. But he that stands by deserves the love and thanks of men and women. Tyranny like hell is not easily conquered. Yet we have this consolation with us that the harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph. What obtained too cheap we esteem too lightly. It is dearness only that gives everything its value. We seek fellow winter soldiers because unlike the sunshine patriots, we stand by our country. Through thick and thin, doing whatever it takes to serve it, including exposing the crimes of those in government, in order to steer it back to the right track. Let it be told that in the depth of winter, when nothing but hope and virtue could survive, that the city and the country, alarmed at one common danger, came forth to meet and to repulse it. The term winter soldier is contrast of the summer patriot, who deserted at Valley Ford because things got hard. We were drawing the blood red line, have to be the winter soldiers now. We could be quiet. We could comply and live peaceful lives, but we feel because of what threatens this country, the medical tyranny, the silencing of dissenting voices, not from foreign nations, but our own government, it is why we must speak and stand. Remember the final line of the declaration that we mutually pledged each other, our lives, our fortunes, and our secret honor. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. It must be fought for, protected, for if trouble must come, let it come in our time, so that our children can live. Hello, hello, welcome to another episode of Witcher's Call Podcast. I'm Odin. This is Tier. And today we're going to talk about readiness exercises, the World Economic Forum trap, and chaos. (laughs) Oh, sorry, was that too sinister? No. Okay, no. good, because this is where my home is at. All right, so let's talk World Economic Forum. Uh, I know it's kind of out of order from the title, but I think it's important. Uh, I, I think it's important that we address it before we go off into the weeds with all the conspiracy theories that we could possibly throw out for the next ones. World Economic Forum is the evil that uh, it, you know between them, the WHO, the Bilderbergs, all of those people. You know, I remember. Not that long ago, when I would bring up Trilateral Commission and I would bring up Bilderberg, I was a conspiracy theorist. Nobody would ever heard of them. Now they're kind of in the mainstream and they're not hiding anymore, which should tell you something. 
All right, they're publishing their World Economic Forum chosen leaders, you know, where you have such prestigious names like Dan Crenshaw, that you have people who, you know, from all over the country in the United States and all this stuff and all over the world, people that match the values and who they see as rising leaders, and then they teach them. Now, Dan Crenshaw has tried to sit here and cover it saying, hey, they just picked me. I didn't have any say. Okay, that that's fine if you want to use that. But I think looking at the track record of who they put on their list, we kind of know where the ideology lies. So... Uh, let, let's talk about the current chaos that's going over in Europe right now. You have, uh, in, or not in Europe, but all over the world, you have Sri Lanka, right? Sri Lanka just rose up. It was a massive uprising of the people. The people here made friends with the police. They went and they overthrew the country, right? The current leader tried to flee via airplane, but got stopped. So he's on a boat, <laughs> He got on a boat and fled the fucking country before they could say he captures ass and do what uh, usually happens to tyrants. So what happens? Everybody sits here and cheers. Yay, they stood up and it's spreading around the world. Let's go to the next page, shall we? Let's just dig just a little bit deeper. They have a new leader. This leader is a chosen member of the World Economic Forum. The first thing he does... He says that when you protest, that's good. When you overthrow government, that's bad. You know, the overthrow that put him in power. And then he said there will be severe crackdowns for anybody who participated in the protest slash riot, overthrow, uprising, whatever you want to call it. Right? Uh, he's going to go after them and say there's not to be tolerated. And he referred to them as uh, Nazis. Do you remember... One of our first episodes, we were talking about what happened, why why you should stand, why you should let your voice be heard. And I made a comment that it's always amusing to me that these people think that they are safe. It's like at the end of the day, people like you and me will be in a jail cell. They'll kill the people that help them get in power. Yeah. And and they're they're not quite in the you know uh, killing off the the people who help do it, but I think it is interesting. Let let's let's read about what he has said. All right, so we'll go over here. Oh, here's my favorite one: We will not tolerate fascist protests. They literally, he literally took the talking points from the left, from Antifa, and threw them at his own people who were standing for freedom. Well, I know what you're thinking. Odin, that's just Sri Lanka. There's no grand conspiracy. All right. <laughs> Boris Johnson just stepped down. There were three candidates to take his position. One of them was eliminated. That leaves two. Guess what? Those two, both on the World Economic Forum website for future leaders. Next, Italy, Armenia, Panama, all of these places are starting to rise up. Who's their leader? Who's the, who's the next one in the wing? A more extreme version of the one that they just had. Out of the frying pan into the fucking fire. No, no. Here's here's my theory. My theory is this, is that the people who were the old guard who started to move things waited or made shit so bad that they eventually stepped down. 
And instead of turning from it, the World Economic Forum promotes these candidates, promotes these candidates that sit here and George Soros, Klaus Schwab, all of these people endorse candidates that have these bright futures and they speak all of the right flowery words, but are actually more extreme than the people that they are replacing. These are people who are going to stand in these positions knowing that the next stage of the new world order is the culling. Well, these are, it's a classic example. They know what hand feeds them. They know they're going to be the scapegoats. I firmly believe that they know they're going to be the scapegoats, but if it works, they'll be gods. If they lose, they'll be exiled, but they'll still be protected. That is what they think. They're sorely mistaken. But let's look at, let's look at how this is affecting the United States. Let's go to Texas. Beto O'Rourke. Oh, sorry. Hold on. I refuse to call him by his, uh, so, uh, his, uh, uh, what the fuck do they call it? Uh, cultural appropriated name. Francis Beta. Francis is, uh, I, I need like the whole Deadpool where he just mocks the Dr. Francis over and over and over. So yeah, Francis sits here and uh, he got a million dollars from George Soros for his campaign in Texas. Speaking of who's going to be the next radicalized person to run the United States that the Democrats are going to pick up on, well, funny you should ask. I have my own theory. My theory is this. If you could think of somebody who has run an area straight into the fucking ground who could run for president, who would you pick? Cuomo. No. No? Gavin Newsom. His country is fucking falling down. The dickhead is trying to run freedom commercials in fucking Florida. To which I have to reply, if you live in the state of Florida, if you are a fellow Floridian as myself, and you find any appeal to the Gavin Newsom commercials, get the fuck out. We don't want you here. Just say it. Go back to California. All you people who want to sit here and vote blue when you get to Florida after you fled from a fucking communist ass state and then you vote blue. No, I'm sorry. You don't belong here. You could have stayed in your own state and continued to fuck it up. Explain to me. You're smarter than I am in some of this stuff when it comes politically. You understand the human condition better than I do. I just know how to take them apart. So let me ask you this question. Where is the logic? Explain it for a dumb redneck now. Where's the fucking logic in going from one state, fleeing, fleeing, a blue state because it is so shitty and you hate it and going to a red state where you like how everything is and voting for the same fucking goddamn policy. Do you really want to know? I I, I can give you that logic. Yeah, it, it would be easy to say. It would be easy to say stupidity, but it is the exact same people who sit here and if you get in a debate about socialism slash communism, will tell you it's 
it, it hasn't worked anywhere throughout history so far, but they've done it wrong. Surely this time we can do it right. We are smarter. We know more than our ancestors did. It'll work this time. It's the same fucking uh, shit. Let me let me piss some people off. So basically you're saying it's the same as a battered spouse. Who says, well, he won't hit me. He'll change. He's not going to do this. He, he promised. Yep. Oh, okay. Same, so same fucking sense, but I mean, look at this point: the evil in the world. If if you do not see the evil in the world right now, with all of the shit that's happening with the World Economic Forum, if you sit here and you don't see the fact that they're lying to you about the temperatures, did you see the picture I put in chat that I shared with you? The two maps that are several years apart where the temperatures on in 2017 were higher than they were in 2022, but they added colors and they called it hell on earth climate change. But it was actually right? cooler. Yeah, it was actually cooler. It's cooler now than it was then. Yes. Uh, but you're never going to see that. The clip where the, the founder of the Weather Channel went on TV with Brian Stelter and basically told him that climate change was a lie, that it didn't exist, and the reason that nobody believes him is because the media will never let that story be played out, where they will sit here and stifle dissent, and then they sit here and bring up, well, what about all the studies? He says, of course. If I sit here and I come to you with $2 million and say, hey, I'm going to fund your research because I need to push, you know, I need to... I need you to tell me that this is true. Of course, they're going to tell you it's true because you're getting fucking paid for it. So when you do that to all of the scientists when it comes to climate change, of course, 97% of all studies are going to prove that your theory is correct because they are going to continue to come to you because they want that money. They're going to say whatever you want. Sounds kind of familiar with the recent pandemic, right? It does, but you know what always makes me laugh when you mention climate change? Always makes me laugh about those studies. I sit there and go, you know, when you look at it, you realize that the Earth had to actually be a way hotter than it is now to sustain reptiles the size of the dinosaurs. Fair. Well, here's my favorite one. Or the fact that St. Helens put more, uh, more debris and more pollution into the atmosphere than we did the all human, time in history. All human history or all human civilization for a hundred years. And that was one. Last year, we had over 50. Just, just thought I'd throw that out there. My favorite, now I believe in a young earth, and I know people are going to laugh and I don't fucking care. But if you don't, let's. Uh, my favorite thing to use is the Primean event. The Primean event or the Primean extinction boundary event, right, sits here and it killed 99.5% of all life forms on Earth. Do you know how it happened? It is how the steppes, the Russian steppes, that, you know, Mongolia, Russian steppes area were created. It was a, it was the greatest volcanic eruption for 80,000 years. In that 80,000 years, it increased the temperature of the Earth five degrees. 80,000 years of the largest volcanic eruption ever and five degrees. Just thought I'd throw that shit out there. Killed off a lot of life. True. Five degrees. True. But we don't put out nearly, nearly 
the amount of pollutants that are necessary. Humans, humans are responsible for point zero, followed by six more zeros, one percent. Just throw that out there. The you people know, who sit here and tell me that uh, we need to sit here and we need to watch fossil fuels and we need to be green had a climate summit. And they flew their private jets to get on a fucking stage and tell me that I needed to change it while they bought mansions at sea level. Okay, you know what? I'll take it one step further. I'm just here to piss people off tonight. The same fucking plebeians that are screaming about climate control are the same fucking plebeians that went through, did a climate protest, and left so much non-biodegradable bullshit behind that it choked off the sewer system. Yep. You know what? You know what? You know, yeah, yeah. I'll give you climate. I'll give you the fact that, that humans deforest. I'll give you the fact that we do pollute, but it's not the fossil fuels. You all really ought to, I don't know, maybe stop putting fucking needles all over the ground in California. Or shitting all over the ground. Eh, compost. By the way, Kalamazoo, Michigan, just decriminalized urinating and defecating in the streets. Good job. Good job, Michiganders. Good job. Considering most of the Michiganders I know, I'm, I'm not mad. <laughs> I'm just not surprised. Sorry, Cath Lab. Sorry, Texas. Both of you are fine. It's that you all aren't the ones. I figure I throw but, it out there because Cath Lab has, has threatened to cast some of that Yankee juju on me. What? Are you all of a sudden going to get a craving for unsweet tea? Oh, God, fuck you. <laughs> if that ever happens, put a bullet in me. There's a skinwalker, okay? <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you asked earlier in, in chat, pick your uh, pick your, your apocalypse, pick two. Um, I was a little surprised, but I, I, I'm going to say that I'm still picking zombies and... CME over World War Three and robots, because I believe that World War Three and robots go hand in hand. Well, okay, so there's a reason that I put robots in parentheses, because the odds of surviving that situation differ greatly depending on if they have access to nuclear weapons, right? If they if they have access, like we're stupid and we do, okay, so we're gonna do World War Three with with Skynet and. Uh, so they're going to shoot nuclear missiles, but they'll shoot nuclear missiles in places that have the greatest effect to kill the most amount of people, right? They're not going to be like, that's a strategic target. Let's nuke that one. They're going to be like, okay, so if we shift it so many miles behind, we'll still get rid of that area, but we'll let the fallout do it for us. So we can get more people. They'll Instead of launching, for example, Washington, D.C., Right, Washington D.C. If you bomb it there, it sits here and it gets Washington D.C. in the general area, but most of the fallout misses major centers as it follows the jet stream. Right. However, if you move it to Annapolis, you get Baltimore, you get Philadelphia, you get New York, all in fallout alone. So it's way more effective to do that way. Or if you sit here and you hit Mount Weather, which is the secret bunker. 
yeah, the secret bunker for the continuation of the government, which is outside of DC. You get DC, you get Annapolis, you get, you know, you get all of these towns. I mean, it's just more effective. The AI will be able to pick it out and we'll make it much faster. I'm going to get more troopers tomorrow, aren't I? <laughs> you have to tell that story. <laughs> So apparently somebody has decided that I am a danger to myself and other people. So I'm sitting here. Okay. For those of you who don't know, if you've seen me on the podcast at all, um, I sit in my kitchen. Everything's here in the kitchen, but I have a big bay window that's right in front of me. And the only reason I know something's up because I'm not paying attention is I glance out and there's some dude walking across my yard. Now, if most of you probably go, that's not that big. It is where I live. Holy shit. They nobody walk across my yard. And I'm like, huh. So I get up and I see and I notice there are two police officers, two state troopers sitting outside. I was like, what the? Okay. Somebody knocks on the door. Well, I frosted the glass on my window. So, of course, I have to open the freaking door to see who it is and what they want. These guys ask me everything under the sun. Did I have any weapons? They didn't ask if I had firearms. They asked if I had fucking weapons. Ask me if I was drinking. Ask me if I was, you know, if I was taking antidepressants or anything like that. They wanted to come inside and search the house. I was like, no, you can fuck off and bring a warrant. All this because somebody did not like what I had to say and decided that I was uh, in need of a wellness check. Fair. But nothing prepared me to open the door to see a squad of fucking state troopers. I was like, what the fuck? I didn't even say anything I... bad last night. <laughs> so that brings us <laughs> our next one. So we 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 talked yesterday. We talked about how it would be time to run if uh, Biden declares national emergency on climate and on health, right? Because that gives him so many exec- extra constitutional executive powers, right? The right. uh, piads, right? It gives them that, gives them, you know, it just, it opens up so much stuff. So as we were doing it, I kept getting this thought in the back of my head uh, uh, that I have heard these types of plans before. And I couldn't think. And then somebody sits here and hit me up and sits here and goes, hey, what are the odds that the addicts are active again that they've reactive them for those of you who don't know the uh adex list right is uh it's fbi indexes uh it was a system used to attract american citizens and other people by the fbi uh this was before computerized databases right it was originally uh paper index cards that's why i got the index list right uh, it started out being um, uh, compiled by Hoover uh, at the Bureau of Investigation before he was the director, right? It was used to track U.S. citizens and others believed by the FBI to be dangerous <laughs> to national security. It's subdivided into general uh, various divisions. <clears throat> and then the ADEX list was a combination of all of them, Right. That sits here and it gave them a final score, right? And it's imp- we'll get to why that's important here in a second. So, uh, oh, excuse me. So, 
You had the custodial detention index that was formed in 1939 to 1941, right? Uh, part of a program named the Custodial Detention Program or Alien Enemy Control. Right? You want to know how they rounded up all of the Japanese and the German descendants? That one right there. Right. Huh? So that one's easy. Yeah, the list was used for the internment after Roosevelt's executive order 9066. Although the the theory is, is that Hoover knew uh, beforehand and he didn't object. Uh, they created the list from 110 or from all of these people and allowed for the internment of 110,000 people. Uh, that were interned of Japanese descent, of which 70,000 of them were American citizens, right? So the attorney general, upon learning of the index, uh, termed it dangerously illegal and ordered it to end. However, Hoover just renamed it to the security index and then told his people not to mention it to uh, anybody else, right? Then you had the Rabble Rousers Index, Right, uh, are available. Uh, uh, it hosts the uh, FBI's Freedom of Information Library. Right, so it's an internet archive that maintains a copy of the information with additional explanatory uh, material. In addition, uh, the FBI files obtained under the uh, FOIA include the Rabble Rouser Index. Right, the all right. So notable people who were on the rabble router index, right, uh, to the FBI, Saul Linsky. Hmm. Uh, political theorist, all right. So then you had James Madol, who was uh, part of the National Renaissance Party. Uh, you had Jerry Rubin, who was an anti-war activist. Uh, they actually had congressmen, uh, Washington, D.C. council members, uh, historians, and philosophers, right? Then they had the categories of which which would put you on the list if you fell into any of these categories, right? Now it has expanded or expanded, but here's what they had back when it was first created: the American Nazi Party, the Black Panther Party, KKK, Nation of Islam, Independence Movement in Puerto Rico, Southern Christian Le uh, Leadership Conference, Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, Anti-Vietnam, Communists, Latin Americans, National States Rights Party. Uh, Black Nationalist uh, Congress of Racial Equality, Minutemen, Progressive Labor Party, Revolutionary Action Movement, uh, Students for Democratic Society, Socialist Worker Party, and Work Workers World Party. Then you had the Security Index, or sorry, the Reserve Index, right? It was a list of people that the FBI thought were dangerous, who might commit acts, uh, that would hurt the national defense and public safety of the United States in time of an emergency. It included those who would be arrested upon order of the U.S. president invoking the emergency detention program. Uh, it lifted all left-wingers and people suspected of being in the Communist Party. By 1950s, there were 5,000 names on the security index, while the reserve index had 50,000. Just in the Chicago index alone, or the Chicago field office alone. A person listed in the reserve index could be transferred to the security index if they posed a greater threat at some point further on down the line, right? 
the the difference between those two indexes based on the color scheme. <laughs> so, dear tier, you would never know which one you were on. Fuck you. <laughs> later oh, on, fuck you. All right. So later on, uh, later on, the security index itself was merged with an agitator index and the communist index, renamed the reserve index. Right. So they they just kept making these lists bigger and bigger and bigger. Eventually, all of the lists were merged together and called the administrative index or the ADEX. Right. They claim that it was discontinued in 1978, but for those of you who have been paying attention when they mentioned that there was a list that was leaked into the public for three weeks that contained 1.8 million names, it may have been discontinued on note cards, but the list still exists, right? You'd have to be horribly naive to believe they'd get rid of it. Well, I mean, it was used to track people considered to be a threat to the security of the country. And it, it, it takes up both sides of the ideological aisle, although I'm sure those who, uh, I'm sure those that sit here and agree with the administration will be fine for now, right? <sighs> Then we just rename it and call it the terrorist watch list, or the no fly list. You did that on purpose. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I'm on that no fly list. <laughs> so then, then you know it, it evolves. Then you have Prism. Uh, I don't. Yeah, I can mention Prism. Prism came out in 2007. It was the FISA warrants. Big data. Uh, it, it provided that they could get FISA warrants from the big data providers. Uh, you had the Turbulence Project uh, in 2005, where they admitted that they collected internet, cell phone, email, and it was the ultimate successor to uh, Trailblazer and ThinThread. You know, all of these things, right? But that leads us to, let's talk about a... a uh, Readiness exercise. Who came in? I heard a beep. Oh. So, uh, so uh, the readiness exercise. I'm sure most of you have heard of Rex 84, right? Rex 84 stands for readiness exercise 1984. It was a classified scenario and drill that was developed by the United States uh, to detain large numbers of American state or United United States citizens deemed to be national security threats. In the event, now pay close attention to what is happening now, to the words that I am about to speak to you. Detain large numbers of United States citizens deemed to be national security threats in the event that the president declares a national emergency. And Flashbang did that. Possible reasons. Yep. Possible reasons for such a roundup were reported to be so widespread that they can't possibly list them all, but I'll give you some examples. U.S. military invasions abroad. 
such as if the United States were to directly invade a country. To combat the government perceived as subversive activities, the plan was also authorized the military to direct ordered movements of civilian populations at state and regional levels. The existence of master military contingency plans, of which Rex 84 was part of, so was Operation Garden Plot and other similar exercises like uh, Lantern Spike, were originally revealed uh, that showed <coughs> during the Iran-Contra hearings in 1987. I'm going to, uh, and and I don't trust a lot of what happened on Wikipedia, but this is, they, they crunched it down for me from the source that I already seen, so I'm going to read you part of it. Congressman Jack Brooks, Colonel North, in your work with the NSC, were you not assigned at one time to work on plans for the continuity of government in the event of a major disaster? Brendan Sullivan, North's counsel, uh, agitatedly said, Mr. Chairman, Senator Daniel Inyo uh, uh, responds, I believe that question touches upon a highly sensitive and classified area, so may I request that you not touch upon that. Brooks then says, I was particularly concerned, Mr. Chairman, because I read in the Miami newspapers and several others that there had been a plan developed by that same agency, a contingency plan in the event of emergency that would suspend the American Constitution. And I was deeply concerned about it and wondered if that, if that was an area in which we had, that he had worked. I believe that it was, and I wanted to get his confirmation. The chairman then says, May I most respectfully request that the matter not be touched upon at this stage. If we wish to get into this, I'm certain arrangements may be made for an executive session. The contingency plans by the U.S. government for rounding up people perceived to be uh, perceived by the government to be subversive or a threat to civil order have existed for decades. Right? You know, oh. we're talking about the ADEX list. You know, you also have the... Uh, Cointel Pro, huh? But but in any governmental, whether it be democratic, dictatorship, authoritarian, monarchy, doesn't matter. Any form of government, eventually they start keeping lists on their own people. Yep. Well, it's not new. Add this to the documents that late during the COVID crisis, where they came out with the FEMA relocation, with the green zones, with all of that. The government is prepared at a moment's notice to sit here and pick your ass up and throw you in a fucking FEMA camp. And they're going to use national emergencies. I don't know if you have read any of Glenn Beck's books, but I sit here and read Agenda 21, which is where he takes the UN's plan of Agenda 21 and puts it into the future so we could see where it eventually goes. Right? And they use Agenda 21, which is now Agenda 3030, which the UN and the World Health World Economic Forum have both agreed with Europe that they're going to speed up the plans to accelerate the timeline so it's not 2030 anymore. Now it's before that. That's just... Oh, wait. And it already started. Do you want to know how I know? Hmm. The leader of the European Union just came out and used her imperial powers to sit here and tell the European Union that they are going to be mandated to reduce their amount of fossil fuels because of Russia, of course, right? 
They're going to limit the amount of fossil fuels that they can use by 15% to start. They're already... That breaks my brain. <laughs> it breaks your brain. So, so I just can't think that kind of you know, like uh, we have your best interests at heart. Well, you're paying through the nose. You're paying. You know, you're sacrificing your firstborn child to fill up a tank of gas to go pay money so you can pay all of us in taxes, and you still end up having to pay more than what you're worth. But we're gonna go ahead and cut down the gas so you can't. Uh, you know, it'll be even more expensive. Well, they sit here at, let, let's look at the figures. In 2020, they, okay, so the UN keeps track of the numbers of people that are borderline starvation, right? right. In 2020, or right before uh, the pandemic came out, it was 130 million people on the planet are on the brink of starvation at any given year. Mostly not because there's not enough food, but because you have corrupted governments. Right. 130 million people. Let that let that sink in. As of June of this year, we're at 398 million people on the brink of starvation and it's going to get worse. If you add in the fact that the United States is constantly trying to provoke Russia into a nuclear war. And yes, I said the United States is trying to provoke Russia to get into nuclear war. We're cover, we're going to cover that next, right? To destroy farmlands, to destroy all of this stuff. You sit here and you have people who are being told that they need to destroy their crops. They're giving farmers these one-time cash lump sum payments to get out of farming. They're trying to kill you off. They're trying to get you to starve, and they're going to take out as many people as possible. Because let's think about this: the number one producer of agricultural goods, United States, right? Our bread baskets are huge. They're, they've already attacked it, right? Number two is Brussels, the Netherlands. They're destroying theirs. Africa gets 80% of their grains from Ukraine and Russia. They're going to declare war on the third world countries and starve them out without doing a damn thing. They learned that with the vaccines, they can kill them off. Right? Bill Gates found that out, which is why he can't go there anymore. Right? But they're going to use this war to starve the minorities of this planet. They're going to starve the third world. And before anybody sits here and gets all up in an uproar, especially you lefties, I know we probably don't have any who listen to the to the podcast. So to the lefties who are listening, <laughs> to the lefties who are listening, I want you to understand, please don't act like you care. Because you sit here and your your I care about the environment only reaches first world problems electric cars because they destroy and rape the resources of third world countries to make your fucking batteries. You sit here and wear your your designer clothes with your cell phones and then claim about how how fucking much you care about the environment whether being made with slaves. 
where they're destroying their environments, where they're being whipped and raped and killed. And you don't give a fuck because it's not in America. Because you can't hate those countries because that would make you bigoted and judgmental. It's part of their culture, right? So spare me. Spare me your fucking moral outrage. It's one thing if you're like me and just don't give a fuck, right? Fair. I like I like what I like. I don't fucking care. Oh, but they're making you a slave labor. Yeah, that sucks. And and if I have an opportunity to buy something that's not, I will, right? But I'm not going to go change my entire life and don't act like I'm fucking this evil monster because you don't even fucking think about where it's coming from. Your Nike shoes that you buy for $200, $300 are made by somebody in a sweatshop in fucking Asia. And if they die because they're working 20 hours a day, they get kicked on the fucking floor, their families are killed, and somebody else takes their goddamn place. If they make money, they make less than 20 cents a week. So spare me your fucking outrage. When I worked in, uh, when I was a welder, we uh, we went down, this is what, almost a little over a decade ago. We went down to uh, Querétaro, Mexico. Uh, so we went down through there, we stopped through Sierra Leone, and uh, I was talking to the guy that was the head foreman, right? He was the bigwig. He drove all the, he drove the nicest car, he had the biggest house, and we were talking back and forth, and I asked him how much he made. Got a curiosity. I was just curious. Mind you, it's over a decade ago. It's Mexico. The dude made $5 an hour. And he was the king. Yep. And I sat there and I didn't want to say, I didn't say anything. I sat there and I thought, I was like, I'm getting $32 an hour to sit here and show you what to do. And that's it. Yeah. Yet, I've got, yeah, I'm sitting here like, this is ridiculous. First world people will have no idea what third world individuals will go through. So that, of course, they can sit from their glass house and, and pontificate from some kind of moral superiority because they've never dealt with hardship. This is my favorite one. I love this one. I love the women who have the long extensions who want to talk about the uh, they want to talk about the oppression that they feel. Right. And. And if you know the type of people that I'm referring to, right, the ones that have the hair extensions that are made out of the real hair. Yeah. That's gathered in China. That is Uyghur hair. That is how the Uyghur slave genocide was exposed, was because they opened up a cargo ship that had 300,000 or 300 tons of hair. And it was from Uyghur Muslims that they had shaved bald. That was then made into wigs that oppressed black people in the United States, wear on their head, and then scream about their fucking oppression. Spare me. When they sit here and they gather Uyghur Muslims, and then they treat them well, Right, So that when the cameras come in, they're showing you a very select group. And this group are nothing but incubators for body parts, for organs, 
The reason is because they are Muslim. And if a Muslim Saudi prince, you know, uh, royalty, right, has the money, they and they need to get a new body part, right? It has to be, it's not kosher, it's uh, halal? Halal. Halal, right. So they use another Muslim, a Uyghur Muslim in China. They take them to the, hosp to the hospital. They fly them in luxury, right? They get their own suite. And you can, there, I don't know if you can still find it on YouTube, but you could up until a couple of months ago, right? Where they get, they get wined and dined and taken care of, and they have all the best medical facility. They go to the Uyghur camp for the person that was designed for that specific body part and then they kill that individual to take their body part and put it in the other one so that the Muslim royalty is still pure and can still live a true devouted Muslim life. So spare me your fucking moral outrage. Spare me you people running around going, well, you don't understand. Slavery was a thing. Bitch, there are 42 million slaves in the world today, and you don't give a fucking shit about them. You care about shit that happened 150 years ago. You weren't a slave. Your parents weren't slave. And most definitely, you, I mean, your grandparents weren't a slave. You weren't a slave, or your parents weren't a slave, and you're definitely not a fucking slave. You know, I uh, I made that video for that girl that said I want to burn the Constitution because of slavery, right? Like, you know, I it I went and I looked up how many slaves are in the United States, and the the average is a little over ten million. Not right? in the United States. No, total throughout the, all of history, total. Uh, it was yeah, it, it was eleven million slaves in the Atlantic slave trade alone, but that doesn't include the no. Irish. No, I, I'm talking about just slaves from the censuses and everything else. I'm talking about the slaves that were here, that raised families, things like that. That's, in the United uh, States? Yeah. It was 300,000. No, it's 10 million. No, 300,000 were sent from other places to here. Yeah, but it... It was 12 million in the entire African slave trade. I'm going to have to look this up because I got it straight from the um, that was one of the historical papers was talking about how many slaves are in the United States, period. Total. Not how many were brought here, how many were here, were raised here, period. Slaves total. That include black, Indian, Irish, slaves total in the history of the United States. For the entire 400 years? Yes. I'm going to go look. Go ahead. Well, no, I've lost my train of thought now. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, I was going to say there were four times more slaves today than there were ever in the United States. And that's throughout the whole history of the United States. And the blah. Fine. I'll take your damn cookies. 
Is that for African slaves? I know yeah. they were the vast majority. When you add in all the Irish and Indian slaves, it came out to be in about 10 million. It was just shy of 10 million. Either way, when you look at it, there are more slaves today than there were throughout the entire history of the United States when slavery was still a thing. We, The first state abolished or outlawed the purchase of new slaves four years after the United States was formed. Less than 100 years after this nation was born and declared its independence, less than 100 years it had abolished slavery entirely. That is faster than any other nation in the world. Yet we still talk about it. Oh, 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 okay. No, no, I I got my numbers mixed up. Okay, so this is how this works. Ready? As of 1863, when they were officially freed, right? Or 1860, we'll go to 1865. This way we can include the Juneteenth Texas people. All right. In the United States. All of the black people, all of them, their entire population was 4.5 million. That's all of them in the United States. 4.5 million. Of that, 3.9 million of them were slaves and half a million of them were free. That was at the end of, or that was the final numbers. Yeah. Yeah. That was the final numbers. Then... The reason that the line goes up to the 6.5 million that I mentioned earlier, that was the black population, not slaves. Just the black population at that point in 1880. Regardless of that, though, when you sit there and you realize how many slaves were in the United States, the fact that it took less than 100 years for them, it was less than four years for them to actually start outlawing slavery in this nation. Less than four years after its inception. Yeah, we still talk about it, and people still bitch about it to this fucking day. And I sit there and scratch my head like, faster than any other fucking nation on the planet. And slavery was not just a black thing. Every person on this planet can trace somewhere in their ancestral history to a slave. Slavery has been around since the dawn of civilization. It doesn't make it right, but it has been. And so I sit here, I laugh. I'm like, you all focus on one particular part of slavery because it fits your fucking narrative. But then you want to ignore the Uyghurs. You want to ignore the the Chinese people that are living in slavery right now. People in Africa that are still in slavery. But you all want to pat yourself on the back because you made Juneteenth a fucking holiday. That's where I was really going to go with it, but okay. Sorry, I'm a numbers guy. We're going <laughs> to... Yeah, of the 10.7 million Africans that were shipped to North or to the American uh, continent, right? That includes South America, uh, Canada, the Caribbean, all of that. Uh, there were 10.7 million Africans that were shipped that way, right? Of those that landed in America, it was only 388,000. A tiny, tiny percentage that was the entire time between 1525 and 1866 when slavery was ultimately illegal however the reason that more weren't sent over 
is because in the founding documents, the Constitution, they had already said that the slave trade would be done by 1800s. And even before that, before the Constitution was even uh, ratified and agreed upon, there were already there were already states that had made it illegal. As a matter of fact, the founding fathers in the Declaration of Independence wanted to make it in the Declaration of Independence that slavery was wrong and decry it from the very beginning in 1776. But there were two states that disagreed, Georgia and South Carolina. Because of those two states, they knew that it had to be uh, uh, unanimous or George King George would work his way into it. Our founding fathers understood that it had to be a unanimous decision to separate or we would be doomed to fail. We could not start our nation on division based off of the simple agreement that all men were created equal. Right? So we said, okay, so instead of it being life, liberty, and the right to personal property, because that could be used to justify slavery, pursuit of happiness. And the reason that they didn't mention slavery was because they needed Georgia and South Carolina to participate. All right, here. Here's where I got my number, the 10 million total. Um, this is from John David Hackard, or J. David Hackard, sorry. He estimated that the total number of births, slave imports provided in 10-year increments between 1619 and 1860, and in one-year increments from 1861 to 1865, says that the results highlight the importance of a natural increase in the rapid growth of the United States uh, slave population and indicate that approximately 10 million slaves lived in the United States in total, where they contributed over 410 billion hours of labor. That's from start to finish. All right. Well, even even when you look at it, though, it's like you you realize that there were still less slaves <laughs> than there are today. Yeah, forty two million. Doesn't sound like we're making progress. Oh. No. Well, because we would rather hate on America. Think everything else is so fucking great. America is this evil, evil thing. Uh, for those of you who, for those of you who want to understand American exceptionalism, for those of you who want to understand what America meant to the rest of the world, why people sit here and they look at our country and instead of laughing at us and decrying us, tell us to wake the fuck up because we're the last choice. I want you to go find a book called The 5,000 Year Leap. Go look up The 5,000 Year Leap in terms of technology that only happened after the United States became a country. Talks about how for the 5,000 years prior to the founding of the United States, technology was basically stagnant. We made little steps, you know, the wheel, right, Print, printing press, right? We made little, but most of the technology that existed during the Enlightenment period before the United States exi uh, existed 
was the same that they were using in biblical times. Horses were still the fastest means of transportation on land. It wasn't until the United States came together and concentrated the genius of American exceptionalism where, as opposed to the rest of the world, where if you created something, the monarchies and the rulers took control of it and it became their power that they would occasionally show to the plebeians. Here, we sit here and we encouraged people to develop their crazy-ass fucking ideas right? Electricity and reward them. Yeah. Telephones, cars. Yeah, and we didn't care. We didn't care. Uh, the, the, the government didn't come and take it. The government didn't take credit for it and dole it out. Right? Now, as the government grew into the cancer that all governments eventually become, they start to take that technology back, which should have been your first clue that maybe, don't go this way. When they came up with water-powered cars, with hydrogen-powered cars, and then the owners or the creators of that technology die in a mysterious accident. Free electricity and the patents and the inventions disappear into government warehouses. Right? Where we designed this technology, where we they finally came out with a battery that's got a life of 28,000 years that just came out. That could be useful. That's going to eventually be given to the public. Want to bet? No. <laughs> the public won't be around for long enough. So, let's talk about the war. Chaos. That is the war. And the reason that we sit here, we talk about these things, that we continue to wake, try and wake people up, pay attention, know it's coming, make a plan to bug out, make a plan to make a stand, make a plan to see or fortify your bug in and bug out locations. Make a plan. Here's why. You, we have continuously talked about the stupid shit that the United States has done to provoke Russia. Intentionally. To do it to provoke Russia. And if you don't think it's intentional, I have some uh, swampland in Arizona for you. Uh, I would say Vegas, but people would just be like, yeah, it's called Lake Mead. It's almost dry. So I don't want to go there. It's touchy, you know, because they're all going to be, you know, run out of power. Right. So, so let's, let's look at the events that were just revealed last night and today. After we recorded last night. <laughs> Let's talk. We have. The United States sending over. More HIMARS. And. Here's my favorite part. We're now sending them fighter planes. And. We're going to train them. But. The planes are completely different. Than the Russian equipment that they were fighting. And that they were using. And the reason that they can't use the Russian fighter planes anymore is because they can't get the parts to fucking fix them. So the United States is like, here, you can take ours. Problem. They're going to train the pilots. They're going to use American planes. You don't think Russia's going to be like, really? They're not going to train Ukrainian pilots. 
Don't be so foolish and believe that lie. It will take weeks and months to train them in an active war situation. Americans are going to be flying those fucking planes. So when one, get, when one gets shot down, and they will get shot down, it'll be an American pilot that's parading in front of the screen. That is a declaration of nuclear war. And I know people are freaking out. Oh, Ukraine just used the HIMAR to blow up an American HIMAR, given the target was given by an American personnel who targeted in Russian territory a weapons depot and a bridge in Crimea. We have one of those red lines that means you're kerfucking, right? No, no, no. Nope. Let's let's keep poking that fucking bear. Let, you know, let's do that. Oh wait, but it gets better. The chief general of the Air Force just admitted that they have put plans for a retaliatory nuclear strike on the desk of the fucking president. President Potato now has options for a nuclear war. And unlike like Russia, huh? Don't and, like uh, unlike Russia, who has fail-safes. Did you know that Russia's military nu or nuclear system is has uh, backups and checks? To make sure it doesn't accidentally discharge or to stop? No, no, no. To make sure that if Putin goes crazy and goes, we're going to nuke those fuckers, right? They sit here, and each commander in charge of their nuclear silos, nuclear weapons, can decide to fire or not. In the United States, it doesn't quite work that way. President says fire with his fucking football, and they fire. There are circumstances in where that doesn't happen, but not, not very likely. So just imagine that the finger of the red button that ends World War II, who re or, uh, starts World War III, right, is, is under the thumb of President Potato, who admitted yesterday that he had cancer, today that he has COVID, and, and tomorrow myocarditis, so that he can have the trifecta of vaccine injuries. <laughs> fucked. We're fucked. And they just gave him options. They put the de the folders on his desk. Okay, if this happens, which one do you want to do? This isn't strong enough. Just not, not, for, the, not, not, not for this conversation. Holy shit. So you're going to give the, the man who can't decide whether, you know, he shit his pants or to read end quotes. Repeat the line. Yeah. And we're going to give him nuclear options. The one whose son can't be miraculously. Did you see that? There's a new new picture out for Hunter Biden. Oh, yeah, yeah. The one where he's not high and is wearing clothes. Yeah, I know. It's just surprising. Right. Well, you know, they are they are talking about bringing him up on sex trafficking charges and tax evasion. So we'll see. I, I predict that short... Oh, oh, fuck. All right, I got a new story. 
I'm, I'm going to paraphrase it because we're already in an hour. So I'm going to paraphrase it. We could talk about it for about 30 seconds. And then I'm going to end it. Ready? Okay. All right. Ready? No. There was a congressman who was told uh, that uh, she needed to, she decided that she's going to leak it into the news that she was told that she has to keep the lights on until after the midterms elections. And it doesn't matter what it does to the grid. In the meantime, the power needs to stay on because it'll destroy the chances of being reelected. And with that being said, thank you for joining us on another episode of Winter Skull Podcast. I'm Odin. This is Tyr. <laughs> and after the midterm election, Biden steps down. Kamala takes office. Then she's going to step down to put in a radical for the World Economic Forum. Hello, Michelle. And uh, then... Michael? I'm not going there. So I am. <laughs> I am. I am. That will and testament literally said to my son, Michael. <laughs> so, all right. We will see you tomorrow on live. Hopefully we're not exactly sure what platform we'll be on. Um, I know Twitch and I know D live. I don't know if YouTube will let us on yet or if rumble will even allow us to stream anymore. So, with that being said, we love you. We'll see you. Don't forget to check out our links if you want to support us and follow us on all of our different social medias. Love you. Bye-bye.